Welcome back to the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. This week, Pat and I discuss week one, how it went, especially for our Colts and Bears. We do a look ahead at week two with our bets, and we finish up with the first installment of our Scouting Book Report series. Don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the Not Gonna Lie podcast. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Pat. Pat Football is back. We did it. We're here. We did it. I'm proud of us. I am too. collective unit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think this week was probably just about all we could have hoped for and more in terms of dramatic finishes, storylines, like everything we love about football was like encapsulated in this week one. It, uh, yeah, nothing between college and pros. It seemed like everything was upside down. There were a lot of teams that were doing well, um, that no one expected them to the whole Sunbelt conference for what it's worth. And then, uh, in, in the pros, it, uh, I think it only gets tougher from here to pick games. Agreed. I think, I mean, going, and we'll talk about our bets here later on, but going into it, I was like, these are my, slam dunk like no doubt picks and i went one and two um so if that yeah. gives you any indication of, of how that went let's start with thursday's game so the team that you have going undefeated the team that i've got going 13 and four the buffalo bills came out and absolutely dominated the defending champs uh, yeah it took me it took me by surprise you know obviously i'd mentioned i had the rams winning this game three touchdowns 31 to 10 what what stood out to you in that game um Josh Allen is quickly becoming probably the most undefendable or indefend undefendable regardless. Yeah. Um he's be- he's becoming the toughest quarterback to defend throughout the NFL. Um and that's not necessarily a hot take because of what he can do with his legs and what he provides with his arm strength is really somewhat unrivaled um, because a lot of quarterbacks will be able to do one or the other. Uh, People might say, oh, well, you know, you have Mahomes who can throw it a country mile too. Sure, he can scramble too. However, Josh Allen is just better on his feet. Um, And also I think while the result was just a beatdown, in favor of Buffalo, I wouldn't necessarily say it's time to push the panic button for the Rams either, because there were just a lot of things not going their way, and Buffalo is very good, and they seem just a little bit more ahead of the of the curve right now. But there's plenty of time to fix it. This was just kind of one week, so. Yeah, I mean, looking at the other side of the ball, because we knew that this offense had a lot of potential for Buffalo. The defense was, I mean, shocking. You know, there you added Von Miller, and obviously Von Miller made a difference. Um, uh, he he made a lot of the other guys on the line look a lot better, right? I mean, I think Greg Rousseau um had a great game. I think was it 
I think Jalen Phillips too even had a, a it looks yeah sack and a half here for him. They were regularly in the backfield giving Matt Stafford little to no time to throw, um, and they're a big reason why you know it wasn't uh, a, it was a blowout. You know, it was, obviously the offense put up thirty one, but the defense held a pretty good offense to to just ten points, um, and so that was that was one of my my big things that just watching. I was like, wow, this offense, this defensive line, that front seven is really good. Well, I think if there's one thing to take away and and to have concern about, it's the fact that Matt Stafford didn't look great. None of it was necessarily because of his elbow. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a lot of it was because he didn't have a lot of time, and maybe a little bit of it was a hesitancy to to get rid of the ball quick and really truly test your arm. But um, it's it's obviously not great to to be in that situation and and to be now wondering, well, is his arm going to hold up throughout the year? Was this a product of him being uncertain going forward with that arm? Um, but really, just it it kind of seemed like they were just overwhelmed in every phase of the of the game, where you can't pinpoint it at one direct thing and say, "Well, Matt Stafford's arm is why they lost by twenty points" or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's it, it's sixteen down for your undefeated uh, Buffalo Bills. Yeah, uh, we're we're on we're on the right path for you guys. So that's 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 an exciting one. All right, yeah. switching gears here. Uh, we're we'll talk about my team, then we'll talk about your team. We'll we'll, we'll rock with it in that order. The Indianapolis Colts, uh, fun little come from behind victory or come from behind game to tie, not a victory. Rodrigo Blankenship was cut. Uh, I mean, I I think a lot of people are pressing the panic button, but I'm still pretty. You know, we got to keep things in stride. A lot of you know, Matt Ryan looked good. Receivers could not catch the ball. Um, if you if you hold a team to 20 points, in reality, that should be enough to win the game. So defensively, not super concerned. Um, Jonathan Taylor is insane. I mean, that game-tying yeah. drive, he practically did it himself. They gave him the ball five times, and he gained like 60 yards. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any any thoughts from you? I'm not super well, concerned. I think there was just a lot of rust yeah. and just struggled to get things going. And then when it got going, it, it looked good. I, I think if you – I'm I'm shocked that you actually don't have a little bit more concern because I don't. But as, you know, coming from, like, the personal fan base, I'm surprised that you don't have a little bit more concern that, like, oh – well, we're starting off on the same foot that we ended last season on with just a disappointment against the division opponent. I think where we run into problems when is where people were giving a lot of credit to, you know, the grit of Lovey Smith's Texans team after. Yeah. I don't think that they're very good. No. I still don't think that they're very good. I don't think that tying the Colts makes them better. I still think that the Colts have an opportunity to be very good. Um, a week one one-off of just, hey, this was a little unsurprising, kind of, you know, it, it really shouldn't alter how you're looking at things one way or the other. Um, they're, they've, Matt Ryan's going to be okay. Michael Pittman looked great. Yeah. Um, you're right. When the defense holds you to 20, it should put you in a better position to win the game. Here's the thing. They were. Yeah. Rodrigo Blankenship didn't come through. No longer with the team. Pretty quick trigger on that one. Well, okay. Um, here's the thing. I will say yeah. in, in defense of that cut, 
the reason why Rodrigo Blankenship was on the team and had a spot on the roster is because he made kicks. He can't make yeah. kicks from anywhere. 50, I saw him hit, like, kick it short on a 52-yard field goal last year. Yeah. But the reason why he's on the team is because inside 50 yards, he's automatic. So if you're going to yeah. take that away and, you know, you're going to put the team in a rough position because you can't make that kick, you're gone. Because, yeah. Sure. We sure we, you know, we may not be able to find a guy who can hit at that 90% clip, but you really shrink the field. If you don't have a guy who, you know, you have to be inside the 30 yard line for him to even have a shot of, of making kicks. People look at that move and think that cutting a kicker in week one is harsh, but here's the reality of it. Every other position has a, has a backup yeah. with a different leash on, on each type of, on each player and, and, what status they have in terms of how well grounded they are into a, into a starting spot. Like Justin Fields could struggle or Matt Ryan could struggle. He's not getting benched in week one. Mm-hmm. He's not getting benched really ever with the, with the capital put into it. Kickers don't typically have a backup. So in order to get that backup, his like playing time, you have to cut the starter. Like that's just the, that's the nature of the business of the NFL. Yeah. So Moving on from him is like a oh fan favorite type thing. I, I don't know how much he was well liked by Colts fans, but I have a friend who looks just like him, uh, who loved him and made it a point to draft him in every fantasy league kind of a thing. Um, and uh, sorry for like that, he man, like that's where the that's where the devastation comes from. No, but but in reality, it's it's just kind of like a it's a it's a make or miss type thing. Now it's your backup's turn. You might get another shot. Other people, you know, other positions get the luxury of you just becoming a backup and holding onto a roster spot. Kicker's not one of those. Yeah, I will say that's the know, reality of it. One more thing on this game before we move on to the Niners Bears. Uh, I'm optimistic because of what happened in the fourth quarter, right? Yeah, like you I, should be. If you take three quarters of this game, then we're in a lot of trouble. But, you know, we have to take it in stride and say, listen, this is, you know, we're, we've hopefully turned a page here, figured things out. I mean, if the receivers can, you know, if Alec Pierce hangs on to that touchdown pass in the first quarter, this game looks entirely different, right? Like there's just so many little things that add up to the much larger picture. But the reality is Jonathan Taylor looked amazing. Matt Ryan did a great job. Um, in my mind, you know, immediate upgrade over over Carson Wentz we would not be in that situation if Carson Wentz was our quarterback Um, and now this is the big test we've lost in Jacksonville for the last number of years and this was the team that kept us from being out of the playoffs so if Matt Ryan can you know have a solid game hopefully you know something that's not close win by two scores or so um, that's going to be that that thing to to move them forward and you know we're still undefeated I haven't lost a game, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna rock with that. Uh, last thing about the Colts, you and I, we were together this weekend. We, we were, were at a friend's wedding. Um, when we were driving through my hometown, uh, and I pointed it out my high school, and then mentioned the geography of the other high schools in like our district, and said that there's a high school two miles north. Mm-hmm. That is uh, where Alec Pierce went to high school. People forget. Really, Glenbard West. Shout out Glenbard West. Yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, the more you know. Niners um, Bears. Niners Bears. Congrats. Uh, thank you. It was a slot fest. Is it 
Trey Lance is going to get, you know, time to kind of develop. And and obviously people are, I think people are starting to read too much into the Jimmy G contract. Of, Agreed. Well, now, you know, he's got Trey Lance over his shoulder. I will say this, though. I kind of have this suspicion that if Jimmy G was playing in that game, the 49ers win. Mm. I think he's better equipped to play in that weather. It's not an easy one to get your first week one start in. Trey Lance has had some playing experience and and has had the the you know the NFL starts in his past, just a few of them or just a couple of them. But being kind of thrown into the ringer of big atmosphere of people who love to just sit out and rain and snow and whatever. Um and it was pouring. I mean, you and I were driving through it. Yeah. And uh it was None of it was draining off the field. It's a tough one for Trey, for Trey Lance to get a start at. I kind of think that if Jimmy Garoppolo was starting that game, they would have won. However, um, yeah, the Bears looked really bad in the first half. They adjusted well, which is something that they've had a lot of struggles with in the past, just as a franchise um, with their last few coaches. So it was nice to kind of get that change of pace where, hey, second half, we looked like a different team, looked a lot better, came back, and it worked out well. Um, that itself is a breath of fresh air. You saw Justin Fields kind of making the plays that he had to, um, taking advantage of defensive breakdowns. They might not have been the better. They certainly weren't the better team in the first half. They were by far in the second. Um, you know, you can say the 49ers might have better talent and they might have a coaching edge in, in a lot of regards too, but, uh, the win on the the win in the standings is really the only thing that kind of matters at the end of the day. So it's a big one and it's a nice step into the right direction and a nice introduction into the Matty Rufus era. I'm very excited for it. So yeah, no, and I mean I agree with you. They were the better team in, in the second half by far. A couple things, you know, because the, the Niners are a team that I still believe in. They're a team I've got, you know, going 13 and four, being one of the best teams in the NFC. Um, I mean I disagree. I don't know if Jimmy G would have won them that game. Cause if you look at, yeah. if you look at the, the game, you know, script and, and kind of how it was, it was shaping up. If Debo doesn't fumble in the red zone, you know, you get three, maybe seven points. Right. And then the touchdown, a couple of drives later, that puts him up 14, nothing. And that game from a, just a mentality getting into it standpoint, it makes it tougher with the addition of Elijah Mitchell ran the ball really well. He, he yeah. was averaging about six yards, six and a half yards of carry almost seven. Uh, and then he goes out and Jeff Wilson comes in and averages two yards a carry. That's tough. It's, and especially in a game like that, if you really can't get the run game going, which is something that Jimmy G relies on as quarterback, which the Niners rely on as an offensive unit, it makes it difficult. And then, you know, you ask, you're asking Trey Lance to do more on top of being a sloppy field. I do think that the bears adjusted and were the better team in the second half, but the difficulty comes in of what, where is that lead at? You know, and credit to the Bears. It's, it's a defensive stop, you know, forcing that turnover. But it's like, where does that lead go? Or how well are the Niners able to pad that if they have their starting running back uh, in the game? It's, it's just, that's just kind of my initial thought. I also thought that it, um, I, no one's coming away from this game saying, well, Kyle Shanahan stinks and Maddie Refluse is the next, you know, great coach in the NFL. Um, even though I probably thought that in the moment. Um, however, you know, removed from it, there is something to the fact that Kyle Shanahan run or ran a considerable 
more complex offense in that second half. I was trying to trick the Bears simply at the line of scrimmage when when there's three inches of rain on the field and every step is just into a puddle. Yeah. The formation doesn't matter. It, you know, the jump off the line of scrimmage is more important. Someone's going to slip. There's going to be a broken play. They were more trying to scheme. They were trying to scheme a better play. They weren't trying to scheme what was actually happening on the field. And and that is where the bears kind of gained their advantage in it. And it's where I want to say, well, Trey Lance looked, like garbage and and you know justin fields look great justin fields or not not great but he you know was well adjusted for that second half um and and made great plays that needed to be made when they were made um but it's it would be it would be unfair to trey lance to grade him harshly when the conditions of it were just so crappy that's yeah. going to happen in the NFL. It's not going to happen every week. So give him a clean, give him a clean field and then we can properly judge him. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say one thing and I'll let you get the last word on the bears and, and this Niners game. Uh, I think a lot of hype from a fantasy standpoint is going into Jeff Wilson this next week. I'm looking yeah. towards, I'm looking towards the rookies. Cause if you're going to give me two yards of carry um, in a game where Elijah Mitchell looked well, I think Kyle Shanahan is going to, toss a throw a wrench in people's plans so uh Tyrion davis price and what's the other guy's name i have it here jordan mason i'm looking at those two guys you could probably get them i mean i know we're past the the waiver wire so putting a claim in but you can probably get one of those two guys i don't know which one but i just have it's just one of those feelings of like this is where shanahan's gonna go i don't think jeff wilson gets the bulk of the carries and we can look back on this and i could be way wrong but really that's where my mind's at right now of i think he's gonna lean to the rookie uh, in, in this situation. And it, it's probably going to be Jordan Mason. To, to an inconsistent extent, he's, he's, he's like a lesser Bill Belichick with his running backs in terms yeah. of fantasy value, where it's just, Hey, this guy might have a great week and then not be the starter. Obviously Eli Mitchell is going to be the premier back when he's healthy, but now that he's not, it can kind of go any direction. Um, as for last thoughts on the game, it's a it's a it's a positive culture building win. I yeah. think is the best way to put it. Is that it? A lot of people are have written this team out. I am not necessarily one of them, considering that in our season preview I said ten and seven in a wild card spot. Makes me feel pretty good about getting this win. I don't have high expectations for next week at Green Bay, but if they are the more disciplined team, and if Aaron Rodgers is you know, pass catchers are pass droppers again. Kind of anything can happen. So we'll see. Be prepared for my heart to be broken next Tuesday. I mean, hey, if you if you told three months ago you that the Bears would be one of the most disciplined teams on the football field, I think you'd take that. Oh, 100%. You talk, you talk about wins and losses, but like those are the sorts of things of like at least they didn't kill themselves. And they came out well, with the I- win. And, and I think it's a lot because the roster last year was, you know, people will say that it was better in certain spots and certainly having Khalil Mack was nice. No one's going to turn down having him an all pro, but uh, there were so many games in, and it's what really killed Matt Nagy was accountability. And then the fact that just they, they weren't disciplined whatsoever. They would get stupid penalties. The bears, they had one stupid penalty on Sunday and that was trying to dry off the field. Absolutely hilarious move by the rookie, Trenton Gill. 
Um, and then one of the they had three penalties total. One was the towel. I forget what the other was. And then there was one delay a game that they took intentionally. That's great. Yeah. Every week, give me that, please. Yeah. All right. Shifting gears here. We're going to go rapid yeah. fire through the rest of the games. The first one up on my list here is the Saints Falcons. And for those of you who are just listening, I want you to turn the your radio up. For those of you who are watching, I want you, I'm looking right at the camera. Let Jameis cook. I'll say it one more time. <laughs> Let Jameis cook. Watching that game, re-watching that game, the first three quarters was this weird dink and dunk offense, whatever. I mean, Taysom Hill had a big run that got him a touchdown. And then in the fourth quarter, you let Jameis loose, and what do you get? 200 yards, a perfect passer rating, a couple of touchdowns, clutch touchdowns too, might I add, going down 16 points. And the you know irony aside of this being a new coach, but the exact same Falcons, Look at how different that game was when you became a pass-first offense, when you let Jameis throw to b- the ball to uh, you know your all-pro receiver and Michael Thomas, your stud rookie and Chris Olave, and your target machine in Jarvis Landry. I mean, this team looked great. Like this team, yeah. fourth quarter Saints were the team that I have winning the NFC South. I have going to the NFC Conference Championship game, right? Like that's that team. Not whatever we saw in the first three quarters. Jameis is capable of putting the team on his back. I mean, no turnovers. He looked great in the fourth quarter. He, he was he was dominant, right? And that there was a throw in that last drive that set up the game-winning field goal, whereas um, it was like 20, 30 yards down the field, just in the perfect spot for, I think it was Jarvis Landry to come down to make the catch, if I remember correctly. I mean, let Jameis cook. It's that simple. Yeah. No, I, uh, you have been so, they, they have the horses is the best way to put it. They, they definitely have the personnel to kind of get things done throughout this season and throughout this division that they're in. Um, yeah, good call on that one. Yeah. A lot closer than I think I expected it to be. Cause I don't think the Falcons are going to be very good. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they got it done late. They kind of figured things out and, one to know is one to know. Yeah, a, a win is a win. Um, the two touchdown drives, by the way, were seventy-five and and eighty-six yard drives. Pretty good in that fourth quarter. Um, all right, moving on. Steelers Bengals. I I'm happy. I mean, it's good news that T.J. Watt's not going to be out the full year. But just rewatching that game, that Steelers front seven is just nuts. And it's like, yeah, yeah T.J. Watt is great. But Alex Highsmith looked fantastic. Cameron Hayward is Cameron Hayward. Like these guys were harassing a Bengals offensive line that we were being told was, you know, revamped. They put a lot of effort into it. And then to come out and allow is like seven something sacks, force five turnovers for Joe Burrow. I mean, that that was impressive. That was really, really impressive what they did. Sure. Uh, yeah, obviously Cincinnati did not look great. People kind of forget that Zach Taylor now I think is 16 and 33 and one in the regular season in his coaching career. Um, kind of funny to think of him as like a 33% sub sub 33% uh, percent, uh, winning or winning percentage coach. 
uh, considering that he was in the Super Bowl last year. Um, not this is. I'm not saying that that's on him. I think that they just kind of were dealt a dose of reality of there. You have a target on your back now. Um, teams are going to come and they're going to come ready to play when they're facing the Bengals in 2022 because it's not a gimme on the schedule like it might have been three years ago or two years ago. It's we're facing the defending AFC champion. Um, Joe Burrow looked a little caught off guard a few times. Not everything was his fault, but he obviously wasn't great. Um, Mitch Trubisky, love to see him getting a win. Um, he's not good. He's 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 simply not very good. But in a game manager role, we'll kind of see how he goes. Um, if if the Steelers are smart and they don't try and do too much with them and overwhelm them, then they'll be fine. Losing T.J. Watt could kind of derail the success that they had in that in that first game, and then just kind of the sheer fact that Joe Burrow turned it over five times. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think this one went to overtime. Yeah, it did. And Bengals had a couple opportunities to win without Evan McPherson just missing a few kicks. Um, drilled a 59 yarder that would have been good from 70, but struggled from within the 59 yard range. Um, you can't be too mad if you're like you you can be frustrated and upset if you're a Bengals fan because you wanted to be one to know, but it was right there for you. You're gonna be fine. Yeah. And then for the Steelers, it's a pleasant surprise. So all right, moving on. Dolphins Patriots 20 to 7. Mike McDaniel gets his first win as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. I mean, not a not a lot really stands out for me here. Um, I didn't expect the Patriots to score just seven points, but I know Mac Jones was dealing with some sort of injury. He's questionable for this upcoming week. Um, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch this game super in depth. Um, but I think that Tyreek Hill was able to do exactly what they brought Tyreek Hill to do, which is fantastic. Jalen Waddle looked great. Um, I'm still not on that to a bandwagon yet. I think he's a great game manager. I think if you put the ball in two of the fastest players in the NFL's hands, you're going to do a lot of good. Um, so for that, you know, fantastic. But yeah, I'm I'm still uh, I'm still a little hesitant on the Dolphins as a whole. But obviously, you know, a win is a win. I have them higher than I, I'm higher on the Dolphins than I think you were preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a similar fashion. Not a lot to take away from it other than I'm feeling pretty good about my prediction. So I think we're kind of we're holding true because we this this week kind of went in a very it was it was the most traditional football game of really any of them this week. Yeah. Where it was just like a all right, good offense against a decent defense, but struggling to kind of get their or you know, to get their legs and then an underwhelming offense against a better defense and and that's kind of exactly what we saw and it, and it plays out exactly how you'd think it would um good start for mike mcdaniel for sure and i think dolphins fans certainly should be excited about things to come even if it's not an immediate turnaround and if this isn't the you know the end all for you know they're going 17 no one thinks that they're going 17 no but you know what i mean yeah um but yeah, definitely a the the right foot to to get started on. Yeah, I mean when it, you know when it comes to the Dolphins, it you know it, it might be said as I expected, um, but 
Mo- moving on from that, we've got the Ravens Jets. Same idea. Would have liked to see the Ravens maybe take it to him a little bit more, but I mean that's yeah. I don't do we we do you want it? To, we can talk about this one. We don't have like I'm okay. I think we're good. Yeah, I, I think we're good without it. We've said all we we need to say on that. Uh, Commanders Jaguars. Definitely a Love couple it. of talking points from that one. Carson Wentz looked good, played really well. Um, the Commanders have uh, Curtis Samuel playing a sort of Debo role, which I think is interesting. Um, just a unique wrinkle. And he, you know, definitely some fantasy value there with him. I got to say, from a fantasy perspective, and I'll let you, you know, go go about, you know, your thoughts on the game. I know the points don't really look it, but Travis Etienne is the ultimate buy low guy right now. Yeah. I mean, he, he dropped a touchdown pass. He was overthrown wide open on a touchdown pass. Um, he had four carries for 46 yards and James Robinson was able to get two touchdowns out of that. And so the bulk of the attention is going to be on him, but Etienne was electric when he had the ball in his hands, he couldn't be stopped. So he's yeah. a guy I'm angling for in most of my leagues if I can get him, um, you know, because I think that the value is going to be there because of all time high on James Robinson. But, you know, from from the perspective, I think the offense is going to be a lot better. I think Trevor Lawrence is still there's growing pains, but he's settling in a lot more. Christian Kirk looked great. Um, but ETN is a guy I am certainly targeting moving forward. They certainly looked more competitive than they did last year, but you have to take it with a grain of salt because you have to remember that Urban Meyer was their coach last year. Yeah. So they looked better than that. I I, I don't really love Doug Peterson. So that's a personal, like, I'm never going to be super high on the Jags for that reason. Um, and then also you take it with another grain of salt because the commanders who I you know, have a hard time imagining will will be a 500 football team. So, um, oh, well, I think they'll be close. I think they'll be close. Uh, I, and that front yeah. seven is decent. I mean, no Chase Young, but they're they're all right. They're yeah, they're they're workable. John Dotson was great. Yeah, he looked like a seasoned pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and you pair him with Terry McLaurin, and now you have like a bona fide um, receiving core there. Yeah, and then you have Antonio Gibson, who's fine out of the backfield, and yeah. you have Carson Wentz, who might be able to get them the ball. Here's here's the thing that was interesting to me is I really did like the way that they constructed their offense, in the yeah. sense of that they got Antonio Gibson out into the secondary, like they got him actually yeah. running routes, which was like you know what he did in college. And so yeah. I thought that the, his Doug Peterson's use of Antonio Gibson was great. I thought his use of Curtis Samuel was great. Jahan Dotson is is pretty good. Um, and obviously Terry McLaurin is Terry McLaurin. Like this is watching, re-watching this game, going through, looking at it again. It's going to be a tough ask to get Carson Wentz 300 yards every game. I don't think that's going to happen. But I think that I am officially putting a, a label on the commanders as a bit of an underdog team. Right. And I I think I think they're going to be at that fight. Like I disagree. I think they're going to be at that 500 level. But I think if a couple of games can kind of sneak their way, they get Chase Young healthy coming back. If a couple of things fall their way, they could be a surprise team to go to the playoffs. Now, obviously, as a Colts fan, relying on Carson Wentz is a big ask. That's a huge ask. Um, Even beating the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville is a huge ask, which somehow he was able to do for them and not us. I'm not salty at all about it. Um, 
But I think that this is a team that's constructed decently well and the use of their weapons, I like. I'm a big fan of the way they constructed this game. So that's all I'm gonna, I think they're, they're, they're a sleeper team for me. If I could make one adjustment from this week, I would bump the commanders up a little bit higher just because of their, their use of weapons on offense. That's fair. Um, I don't know. I, I think if I go back and check on the uh, website that we did our season long predictions on, I'm pretty sure I had Washington winning this game regardless. I, I I just, I don't know, do something against a team that isn't the Jags and we'll kind of see. Fair enough. And, you know, maybe this is me just being, uh, just jumping the gun here, but you have to have at least one week one overreaction, in my opinion. Yeah. There's just got to be one. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's, but it's not even a matter of just, you know, who they played. I'm, I'm looking, I've got them going eight and nine. So I've got them, yeah, right at that 500. Yeah. Yeah. Mark. Yeah. Um, but I think that this game was one of those coin flip games and they look Carson Wentz didn't look bad. The defense held strong. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm just saying that I think I can see now some, some more games going their way. Potentially we're looking at nine and eight, 10 and seven, um, which isn't out of the question. Fair enough. That's, that's where I'm at. The return, or I guess he didn't, it wasn't in Cleveland, but the return of Baker Mayfield to the Browns didn't go how he planned. If it wasn't for Cade York and his massive leg uh, might be a different story, but here we are. Baker was, was a, I, I think there's going to be some adjustments because he came to the team so late. I think there are going to be some growing pains. I'm not too worried about it um, on the, on the Panther side, but for the Browns, I mean, if Nick Chubb can run the way he does and they use Kareem Hunt the way, you know, they are Donovan people's Jones was surprising. Um, this is another team that, you know, might they might do okay with Jacoby Brissett. Not great, yeah, but they might do okay, which is all you really need um, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan for when Deshaun comes back. But I think that, you know, obviously the Panthers, I think, do have an underrated defense, so it's surprising to me that they performed the way that they did. But, um, yeah, I think they're going to look better than I anticipated with Jacoby Brissett. I agree. Uh, I think I had them at 1-10 when – Watson returns in week 12 or week 13. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's likely not the case anymore, considering that they're starting one and no. Um, I definitely had, or I definitely had hopes that Carolina would win this game. I like Baker. I, I you know, me too. The fact that he kind of got shafted in, in Cleveland and has, every right to have this underdog mentality throughout his professional career and throughout his college career too. Yeah, both. Um, uh, that it, it's just like kind of tough to not root for that player, that, that guy. Mm-hmm. And then you also, we kind of get exposed to a little bit of like the Cleveland fan base. That's just like, well, Baker was never this Baker was never that. And it's like Baker got you to the playoffs. Something that was, a, a pipe dream yeah in cleveland browns you know my or in, Cle- in browns fans minds for the last 30 years for the last 20 years so definitely got a raw deal there definitely unfortunate that he that he doesn't get the win for him uh but he's not the only quarterback who kind of had that revenge game that it just didn't work out for you where you also still expect their team to be a lot better in the in 
you know, in the up in the few upcoming weeks. So yeah. just kind of a kind of an interesting again, take it with the grain of salt, week one, no reason to overreact to either team. Yeah. I, I think it, yeah, it's unfortunate because you know, Kate that's a big kick that Cade York made as as a rookie. And if yeah. it goes a different way, then it's a different story and he kind of gets that revenge. So it's you know they're a team I think that are going to get better I was pleasantly surprised by the Browns um but yeah I'm with you moving on Giants Titans uh the Titans I think for most people it would be a surprise to see them lose to the Giants but not you and me we know we're smart uh I yeah I mean good for good for um wow I'm blanking on his name the Giants coach first win Brian Abel Brian Dable. Good for Brian Dable. Um, cool little story that came out of that on that last drive. He was, I think he was talking to the defense and he's like, when we score this, are you okay with us going for two? I'm like, absolutely. So it's kind of like a fun little thing. Um, yeah. Especially him saying when we score this, I thought that was a nice little like. Um, Love that. Love that yeah. mentality. Saquon looked great. Um, Saquon is all the way back. Yeah. He, he looked incredible. I mean, that last. That Saquon's a great can... example of why you can't look at a fan like from a fantasy perspective why you can't look at a previous year's injury as a reason to not draft an elite player yeah the, the following season especially Agreed. if they're not going to miss time we're kind of gonna get into that with christian mccaffrey because he's likely going to be fine and yeah. hopefully he's not injured throughout the year saquon barkley he's likely going to be great this year Hopefully he doesn't get injured. You can say that with any player. It doesn't matter what happened last year. So yeah. Saquon's a great example of that. And he balled out on Sunday. The one thing I will say, I'll just mention this and we can we can move on unless you have more thoughts. I would have liked to see Kadarius Tony get the ball a little bit more. He had what two targets? Two, yeah. He was on the he was only on the field for seven snaps. Yeah, two touches total. And when he got the ball, he looked untouchable. So I don't know what what issues there are. I know I believe Wondell Robinson is out for this Sunday, for this game. So we might see more Kadarius Tony. Um, I like this. He they asked him about it, and he was like, I think his quote was something like, "I don't get paid to to coach." So that was a good. Yeah. Like, I like I like that response, and that's encouraging. Um, I don't claim to know why he didn't get more touches. All I know is from what I saw when he got the ball, those two those two touches, he looked great. He looked explosive. He looked tough to bring down that's the kind of guy that you want to have a, a weapon you want to have on on that offense absolutely that's true however i will the, my counter to that is the fact that i feel like there were rumblings in the offseason that his relationship with the giants was not great mm. um and almost to a fact of like could he be a trade target for a team that is looking in a, in a wide receiver market obviously that wasn't the case but i'm not necessarily sold in him as like a tried and true target for Daniel Jones. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I think uh I know one team that could use uh a wide receiver, especially somebody that explosive. Well, actually both of us, for those of you who can't see Pat's pointing out himself, Colts and the Bears. Yeah, uh, fair enough. We can be we can be knocking on the door for Darius Tony if he if he is available. Um speaking of wide receivers, next, do you want to go Green Bay, Minnesota? That's was literally the next one on my list. So it's perfect. Because that was a pretty comical first quarter that I saw. Yeah. Um, I, I saw the whole game, but just in that first quarter, deep ball down the sideline. First, I think first play from scrimmage for the Packers. That's and you have an, 
you have a wide open touchdown for Christian yeah. Watson that goes right through his hands. And then I'm not sure if you saw Mar- Mario Rogers had a shitty game too. Pardon me. Uh, I had a crappy game on Sunday. Uh, a couple of drops, I think, in there. And uh, Rogers today was like, well, he's a receiver. He's a he's a returner. So uh, he's like, that's not, really not to say about that. And it's like, all right, well, out the door next offseason, Amari, have fun somewhere else. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned the Packers wide receiver. So I'm going to go on the other side, talk about Justin Jefferson. Um, I mean, I'm going to get a lot of things wrong. I'm certain of it. Um, so like when I get things right, it's nice to like accentuate it, but like, yeah, Kevin O'Connell with that Vikings offense was as good as advertised. He did a great job moving him away from Jair Alexander. I think almost all of his catches came with somebody else as the primary defender. Jair was upset that he couldn't, he couldn't shadow him. I think he wanted to from, from what I heard post game, just him talking about it, but it was like nine catches, 184 yards, two touchdowns. Like that's, that's Cooper cup level production. Like that's what you expect to see. You get him out and moving, you scheme for him. It makes everyone's job easier. Um, so I was encouraged by that. And I think we're going to see a lot more of it. Um, so, but yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of, of what we get moving forward from, from both wide receiver rooms. Well, and I mean, for the Packers, you're probably not panicked too much aside from the fact that like you're, was he was Watson a second or third rounder? I think he was a third round. Second, second rounder. Yeah. Second round. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, you'd love to see him rein that in. You'd love to see him take that to the house on his first NFL snap. Yeah. That'd be it doesn't awesome. work that way. They were also missing David Bakhtiari. He's still not right. Although I saw that he was back at practice doing individual drills. Same with Elton Jenkins. Um, and then I think I saw that Al uh, Lazard was also running drills today. So it kind of seems like he'll be back maybe next week. Um, I think he was dealing with an ankle injury after mm. he was like stepped on. Yeah, some yeah something ago. weird. It was like a late a late scratch or yeah. like a later um, on in the week, I should say. So considering that they might be healthy this Sunday night against Chicago and they're at home, you have to assume that you have to assume that they're probably going to have kind of like that chip on their shoulder of, well, we're certainly not going to start this year two and zero. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so you know, it's it's one where you take away a lot of the or where you hammer home the positives from Minnesota, but you don't really have to pay attention to too many of the negatives quite yet for Green Bay. Yeah, I mean, well, I they think... got walloped last year by New Orleans in Week One too. Yeah, I think if anything, this really emphasizes too that. Um, and that's a good point, actually, bringing that up, that, that, yeah, they did get killed by New Orleans. It was a lot worse than this, um, and they still yeah. came out of it looking looking pretty good. But, um, yeah, one more thing before we move on. From a fantasy, daily fantasy perspective, I am buying up all the shares of Alan Lazard I can. If he is healthy, if he's a go, he's going to be at more of a discount. But who else is going to be that wide receiver one? Like, who else has that long rapport with Aaron Rodgers? He's got to be the guy. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, if he is healthy, ready to go. Um, but yes. All right. A couple more games left here. Chiefs Cardinals chiefs are the chiefs. Um, I think I really did not pay much attention to this game whatsoever. Yeah, it it didn't. It's one of those games, like you'd mentioned with some of them didn't really sway me a ton. Would have liked to see the Cardinals score more points. That's the question, but you know, they don't have Deandre Hopkins. Um, and so that's a big piece of their offense. Um, it was a double XP weekend for Call of Duty. So there's just things that you have to consider. 
um, when when looking at these games um, that you know that was it really be, that, that you might not yeah that's the, that's the expert analysis that you're gonna get you know you're not gonna get that at a lot of other places um, so yeah I, uh, it's one of those things in terms of actual personnel um, I I think them losing Chase Edmonds does set them back a little bit mm-hmm. their running game is completely different um, but you know kind of going forward we'll see how it goes. Yeah, Greg Dortch was another surprise. I mean, obviously there's going to be Rondo Moore didn't play either, but uh, Greg Dortch was a, su- a surprise in ter- nine targets. Um, but that's a guy that maybe if you, you're in a pinch, you need him. He, he's worth a look. Um, Raiders Chargers, same thing. I think we can kind of roll through the rest of these games. Um, Gerald Everett was a guy who looked to be active in the Chargers passing game. He caught a touchdown that was called back because of penalty, I believe. Um, and then caught another touchdown after that that stood. Um, so he's a guy I was was big on coming into the year. Um, Devontae Adams looked great. Um, no no time lost between him and Derek Carr, going back to their Fresno days. Um, yeah, any thoughts on this one? Uh, the result was kind of what I think we both had going in this one. Yeah. Um, and it's not a detriment to really either club it's not it's certainly not don't be down on the Raiders because they lost to the Chargers because we just I think we both think that the Chargers are very good yeah um I don't remember did you have the Chargers finishing last in that conference or was it no I think I think we both have the Raiders in last but in I think my case and maybe in yours I still have them as at least a 10 win team yeah okay so I've got I've got the Broncos last at nine and eight who we'll talk about in a little bit and then the, the Raiders at 10 and seven um yeah so we both have them as 10 win teams and i think that's attainable regardless of the first game because they were playing arguably a better team um a dynamite defense that we were kind of anxious to see get on the field and now we've seen them Devonte adams still looked awesome Derek carr was okay he'll get better as the year goes on it 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 doesn't necessarily feel like it, but it's a brand new team in, in Vegas. Yeah. I mean, you have Josh McDaniels running the show and you don't have a lot of staff holdovers. You have a little bit of roster turnover and you have a new general manager who's, you know, instilling his own thing going on there. It's it's a different feel than than last year. So even though that they lose their season opener, it's not not a bad thing at yeah. this point. So. I think yeah, it's one of those things it's like the Chargers at home, Chargers are a great team it's a tough division. That's just, you know, the draw that you got, I'm with you. They would have, you would have liked to win. It would have certainly made things a lot easier, but you're not shaken, you know, like no, no uh, shocking thing really happened. Um, and the minds for, for either of us, I think. All right. Last game from Sunday, Bucks, Cowboys, um, you know, Dak Prescott going down late fourth quarter is concerning reports are now Jerry Jones is hoping that he only misses four weeks. But the the weird thing was that was I believe it was in the fourth quarter, right? Was yeah. When he went down, that means you had three quarters and you came up with with three points. And I mean, obviously, I have no room to talk. The the Colts were in a very similar situation before they you know really turned it on with about ten minutes left to go. Um, but this is a situation where they gave you know moved Amari Cooper for a fifth rounder. Um, let uh. Wow, now I'm blanking on names. Let the 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 tackle go to the Bengals. Um, Connor Williams, Lyle Collins. 
Um, Lyle Collins, Connor Williams was yeah. Never mind. Let yeah. let him go to the to the Bengals. So you're neglecting key positions, but now you're struggling, right? Like that's just that's just the name of the game. If you're not able to continually invest, because um, outside of CD Lamb, what do you really have? Michael Gallup is um, on his on the road to recovery still at this point. Um, so for me, that was a surprise, and also Leonard Fournette rushing for over 100 yards. Oh, Leonard Fournette rushing for over 100 yards after uh, the Bucks said they were going to try and limit his usage were my two main takeaways of, of the game. Yeah. Um, it was for as hyped up of, his, of a game as it kind of was, it really just wasn't a great football game. I don't yeah. know. The defense really showed out. I'm usually down with a good defensive battle, but I was expecting more out of these offenses and didn't really get that. Uh, Micah Parsons is still awesome. I think that's just kind of a people were starting to expect a sophomore slump from him. 60% pass rush win rate. That's so damn good. Which is like 20% above second place. Yeah. Um, He was great. Um, Yeah, I think I had the the Cowboys at 15 and 2. That's just not going to happen. Cooper Rush is. They. Talk about having a bad offseason. I don't know why I thought that they were going to be so good. I, like, I'm genuinely confused with yeah. myself. Yeah. Because they lose Amari Cooper. They lose half or two, was it two-fifths of their offensive line? And, and Tyron Smith is now out for an extended period. Um, you lose Dak Prescott. Well, who do you have? You have Cooper Rush, who's not good. And I think, did I read that Ezekiel Elliott's uh cap hit this year is larger than any cap hit for any running backs room in the entire NFL. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So uh 15 and 2 out the window, NFC beast back on probably like if Dak Prescott's dynamite when they come back, we're looking at probably 10 and 7. Yeah. So that's like best that's best case scenario at this point. Yeah. 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 All right, one last game from week one, and then we'll get into – we'll recap our bets and then look forward to week two. Seahawks won. Uh, quite the surprise. Shock. Yeah. Uh, Geno Smith looked good enough, which is literally all you can ask for. Two huge defensive stops for the Seahawks in the red zone. I mean, if this was the Seattle team that Russell Wilson had, he probably would not have asked to be traded. No. Like it, it's funny and it's one game, you know, and we're, and I'm not going to make a, a mountain out of a molehill, but the Seahawks played really well outside of the quarterback position. And I mean, even Geno Smith looked good. He delivered an all time line. They wrote me off, but I didn't write back in the post game interview. I'm going to be quoting that for, uh, <laughs> for, you know, years to come. That was a great line. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was a good enough game. I thought Russ played great. All things considered, I thought he had a great game. The offensive line was not a lot of help, which was ironic because that's the very thing he was trying to get away from with Seattle. And now all of a sudden, Seattle's offensive line looks great. I mean, this game was all sorts of topsy-turvy, and it comes down to a Brandon McManus field goal, which we'll talk about. But, Pat, what are are your thoughts with this game? Um, I have never been so shocked with a coaching debut as much as I was with Nathaniel Hackett's. I mean, it was just so bad. 
And it, and it's not like it comes down to that last play of that's why it was bad. The whole game was just managed very poorly. Mm-hmm. And then I said, I, I thought I, I thought it was absolutely hysterical. I think I tweeted out or at least sent into a group text with you guys and was like, uh, I don't know why Nathaniel Hackett's trying to save his timeouts until week two. And then he proceeds to use a timeout and then burn two on kneel downs for Geno Smith, which was absolutely hysterical because then you can read his lips saying, well, I thought I, I should have three. He's telling the ref I should have three timeouts. No, he took one on fourth and five because they let 30 seconds roll off the clock and then decided to kick it. And then in the post game, he says, well, we were trying to get to the 46 and that's where we got to. We did exactly what we wanted to do. And exactly what he wanted to do was lose the game. Obviously, if he makes it, it's a different story. But we should still be critiquing that because he just the, – the last two, two, to, two and a half minutes of that game, absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. And it doesn't help that the coaching up until that point was not impressive either. So just kind of a wild moment in week one. Um, I have the Broncos or I had the Broncos winning that division. I certainly did not have them losing this game. And I certainly did not have Nathaniel Hackett being outed as dumb as rocks in that first game. I mean, that was brutal. If you were, if you're a Broncos fan or if you were just kind of watching for any other reason, or if you had money on the line. Yeah. Yeah. I certainly didn't. Yeah, but yeah. Um, can't say the same. Uh, yeah, but here's my <laughs> thing. I'll say with this whole coaching decision. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, confusing, whatever, whatever. The thing that makes me the, mo- the most frustrated about this whole situation is that um, you go back on what you said. Yeah. Like that's the thing that was the most weird, frustrating to me was that Okay, McManus said 46. You got to the 45. You knew going in, you said, where do you need to be? Sure, run down the clock, whatever, run time, do what you have to do, fine. But don't two days later say, yeah, we probably should have gone for it. Like, that's just that's just dumb. Like, that's just, it. you, you, could, you say all you want to say of like, they spent $250 million on him just to have him do this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, you make your decision, you own up to it, and you say, listen, if that ball goes in, because it wasn't like he missed it short, he missed it left. If that ball goes in, you win the game, whatever. You can question it, but that was their plan. And I liked that. And if we had recorded this podcast before he retracted his decision, I would have been like, yeah, it didn't go in, but that's what they tried to do. But now if you're going to come back and say, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have done that. So you're just going to you know, you're just going to sit back and, and question every other decision you make from here on out. It's like, if you, if that kick goes in, you're not going to say we probably should have gone for it. Like, yeah, that's, that's and the thing. The the bad too. It wasn't, out. it wasn't that it was short. It wasn't that it was too far. It just wasn't online. Didn't go in. Yeah. Um, and that happens and that's fine. Yeah. But don't retract. Just a bizarre, just a bizarre way. In fact, I think the mo the more egregious play call in that entire sequence is the screen on third and long to get to fourth and five obviously it worked out for them because then they got up then they got to the 45 which was their target line yeah but you could have taken away that decision by just throwing the ball 
Yeah. Like, genuinely trying to get a first down on that. It, it honestly almost felt like Nathaniel Hackett was trying to save Russell Wilson from a fourth and five in Seattle. That's probably not what he was doing, but it just kind of feels like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather not mentally destroy my quarterback who got booed in a very confusing manner. But uh, yeah, weird, weird day. Yeah. Weird week. Weird week. Weird yeah. week. All right. Let's recap. So this week with my bets, um, and for those of you who are just joining us this week, me and Pat have a hundred bucks. Um, we bet on three games a week, five bucks per game. Um, and whoever has more money at the end of the year takes the other person's money. Um, yep. So I went one and two and I'm down $5 and 35 cents. Uh, my three bets were the Ravens to cover at minus seven, which they did. I had the over in the Rams and Bills game, which was a decent chunk away. And then I had uh, the Broncos covering at six and a half, which, you know, silly me. Um, but those were my three and that's where I'm at. I had uh, Dolphins minus three and a half, Bears plus seven, and Bills minus two and a half. I went three and oh, um, and I am up $13.70 after those. Uh, yeah, feel pretty good right now. I Yeah, I, I would too if I was you, I will say. Um, yeah, so looking at this week, one of the stipulations with this is we, we have to bet on Thursday night football, um, which is fun which I, which I like, I think that's a fun little piece makes it, makes it interesting. Um, but we can go, we can go, we'll alternate. We can go one at a time. Um, let's start with the Thursday game. So I like points, like rooting for points. These are two elite offenses. Um, why not? Let's take the over. We'll go 50 over 54. I think that that's doable. Um, I expect a, a game that will be in the high twenties, low thirties for both teams. Um, but yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I, it's funny that you say that because I think we both saw the stat from the Action Network that was on spreads, on primetime spreads that are over, or on primetime point totals that are over 53, or that are at least 54 points, uh, the under of 7-0, and 0, with hitting an average of like 13.8 points below the total. Mm. Um, but I like points too, which is why I'm not going to touch the total. In fact, I am taking the Chargers plus four. Mm. Uh, I was impressed with Kansas City, a lot more impressed uh, by them than I really kind of was with the Chargers. But uh, it kind of just feels like the Chargers have a tendency to give Kansas City hell. It's going to be tough because it's at Arrowhead. Um, but yeah, that I, I really just – I have fallen in love with that defense. Um and it probably doesn't help that Harrison Butker's out, uh, which is, I think that spread was at four and a half earlier today. Now it's down to four. So I'm taking uh, the Chargers at plus four. No Keenan Allen either, I will mention. No Keenan yes. Allen. Yes. Um, yes. But yeah, I'm, 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 I don't hate it. I just feel like it's scary because it's especially earlier on, I'm like, all right, I'll just root for touchdowns. And with those offenses, yeah. it will be easy to do, I think. Um, all right. You did it last week. You bet with emotion. You went for your boys. I'm going this week too. I think um, in Jacksonville, this is a game. The fourth quarter was a uh, was a page turn for the Indianapolis Colts. I think they get out there. Um, the line is at minus three and a half right now. And you can say whatever you want to about 
our inability to win in Jacksonville. But if you look at the players that are on the team from when that streak started to where it is now, it's not the same. Like, I don't, I don't understand how, you know, why people are so, so stuck on it. And I think that's, what's bringing the line down so much um, is, is that fact. And maybe the fact that we tied with Houston in, uh, in Houston, but I like the Colts minus three and a half. That's plenty of points. Um, I think they win. I think they win by double digits. So I'm taking Colts three and a half as my second. Uh, I hate to follow in your footsteps, but that is one that I definitely have earmarked. I definitely have Colts minus three and a half as well. Similar reasoning. They've got to bounce back themselves. Um, Jacksonville just not an attractive squad to me right now. So I do have Indianapolis minus three and a half. And my final pick for for this week um i mean they won they won me last week i'm not sold on the miami dolphins i think that the ravens are a team that really know how to add points on later on in games um i'm rocking with the ravens minus three and a half against the miami dolphins i think that I mean, i'm not sold on the dolphins i think the ravens are a good football team they're a great regular season team um i think that they they cruise in this one fairly fairly easily in, in Baltimore, That's fair. I will mention. It's in Baltimore as well. Um, I'm having a lot of trouble coming up with a third. Uh, <laughs> it's not an easy week. Um, but mentally, I feel like I have to bet. I feel like I have to bet something on the Bears game every week. Okay. And even though I, even though I would much rather not, because I'd much rather just enjoy that game for whatever reason. And trust me, the $5 that I lose on these bets – not a big deal. However, I'm not taking the Bears plus right now. They're ten point dogs, um, because I have no idea what to expect on Sunday night. However, um, now there is rain in the forecast, so it could kind of get tricky. Um, they scored three touchdowns and then missed two extra points because the weather. They missed the extra points because the weather was garbage. They scored three touchdowns, uh, two through the air in spite of the weather being Garbo. Um, Green Bay is going to have to come out with some sort of firepower too. I kind of like the over 42 and a half. I just feel like that number is pretty low. Yeah. So I'm taking the over 42.5. Not a lot of points. It's not a lot to get there. Not a lot of points. Very doable. Uh, Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. All right. Before we head out of here, We've got our we've got our book reports um, that we've been we've been studying for we've been prepping and we're we're proud to present. Um, maybe we can go we can go one at a time. We'll just do quick. So for those of you also who are just joining us for this week, we do quick little quick little hits. Um, we took a top 100 list and we've randomized them. So we each have three random college athletes that we have been studying up on, um, and we're going to present to you them in little bite sized formats. So we're going to do that. And then we are going to announce our three for next week. And then I say we get out of here. Yep. All right. So I'll, I'll lead off. I'll go first and I'll have you take your guy. Um, the first one on my list is Byron Young. He's a defensive tackle out of Alabama. 6'3". Um, so in 292. So decent size. Um, one of the things that really impresses me with, with him is his raw power. Um, he's a guy that is regularly um, double teamed. Um, and a lot of the games I've seen, just the, the clips that I've seen, and he's got a lot of strength. 
But with that, on the flip side, not a ton of polish. And with defensive tackles, you, you know, you don't need a bunch of pass rush, you know, win moves um, if you're just trying to, to gobble up trenches. But to be able to have those pass rush moves helps with your flexibility of, of touting yourself as a defensive end and defensive tackle. He's got the speed to play defensive end, but he doesn't have the polish to play defensive end at this point. And so that's something that I am, am looking for. Um, and also just, you know, seeing what he's like on the next level, because he does have the physicality to win in college. But if you don't have those moves, you're going to really struggle to, to develop in the NFL. Um, overall, I liked what I saw, but I think one of the biggest things too is when scouting Alabama players, it, there's always in the back of your mind, it's like, is he good because he's good or is he good because of everyone else around him because he plays at Alabama? Uh, but that's Byron Young defensive tackle for the Alabama Crimson Tide. I was far less in depth than you. Um, so thanks for making me feel bad. No, no. Uh, no. I had the number four prospect who was Jalen Carter, the Georgia lineman, defensive lineman. Um, didn't play the whole game against uh, shoot, they play uh, Samford, Sam, Samford, Samford, Sam, yeah, Samford, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, who also has the same logo as Gonzaga. Um, they, I, I'm going to cover two guys here just because they, I've had two Georgia players. Okay. Uh, Jalen Carter was unbelievable. The power that he possesses uh, and the speed that he has for such a large body is unstoppable. He's going top five in the, in the draft. If you can find a future on that, take it now because his 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 draft stock is only going up from this point. He's already projected in the top ten, may in in a lot of cases within the top five. Um, Jalen Carter just un, unreal um, in, in just that strength department, but also when you see a guy who's as big as he is, I, I don't have his exact measurements up. I'm looking it up right now. He is. typo um great radio he's 300 pounds on the dot according to this he's also 6-3 the finesse that he works with for being 300 pounds is ridiculous um also on the field he looks a lot bigger than 300 pounds um additionally i had the defensive back uh keely ringo also on georgia um he he was interesting because it was almost I'm trying to remember if he had, did he have the pick against uh, Bo Nix a couple of weeks ago? I'm basing this completely off the Samford game. Um, They just did not look his way because he is so dominant in coverage that he almost looks like a wide receiver in his movements where he's expecting to get the ball. His eyes are consistently on the quarterback, but he's also keeping such a good, uh, or, he he also has plenty of awareness on what is going on in in his vicinity. Um, George's defense is kind of run as like a hybrid zone in terms of, yeah, they're playing on their guy, but also they're so ball hawking that they can just kind of crash the ball whenever they have to. Um, and obviously it helps that you're playing Sanford. Yeah, certainly. That, that, sh- that should, that, that should absolutely be involved here. Um, but they or but uh, Keeler Ringo just was so impressive in the fact that his movements were just so fluid in that defense 
and that Sanford's quarterback had no interest in even looking his direction with the ball. Fair enough. Yeah, that's probably the the probably written on the top of the scouting report uh, on him for sure. But yeah. if it's Stanford, yeah, a lot of guys, a lot of guys can look good. Uh, my second guy here, and uh, is uh, Robert Scott Jr., offensive tackle from Florida State, 6'5", 315 pounds. And the challenge for me is figuring out how to best scout um, offensive tackle, offensive lineman in general, I should say, because it's not really a position um, that I'm I'm used to or that it's like, you know, because it's easy to scout, uh, or I shouldn't say easy, but it's easier to scout skill position players, easier to scout quarterbacks, um, just because you kind of know what to look for. And it's talked about a lot more. There's not a lot of guys that spend a lot of time in the trenches, literally in the trenches. Um so that that was the challenge for me. I, I I was looking up a couple of articles on just how to how to format that. But a couple of key takeaways. Um, surprisingly athletic. Um, even though he's six five, he's he's very long. I or I guess that's that's a decent a decent size for an offensive tackle, anyways. Decently long for us for a size though. Somewhat athletic. That's kind of the thing that I saw that Florida State uses him on some pulls every so often, um, which is you know good and that that translates to the next level, but. He just struggles. It's another guy who's who's really solid, but just struggles with those fundamentals. Um, and some of that is from watching the tape. Some of that's just from reading, looking at you know what some other people are talking about about him. So not super in depth, but as an athlete, the upside is there. But you know he is uh, towards the back end of this 100, so he kind of has to really polish up um, throughout this season to to get to that next level. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, if you were kind of debating on where to put him in a um, in the draft this upcoming year, obviously it kind of depends on the team's needs, but yeah. where does he slot in for you? I, I think as a guy with that has that athletic upside and just needs polish, guys like that go in the back end of the first round all the time. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets talked up into a, a back end of the first round pick. Um, obviously a lot of that will go moving forward, but if he follows that progression that so many guys have, I think people just love doing that of, of sure. taking a chance on a guy who's athletic back into the first, uh, a team that was in the playoffs that needs, you know, can maybe afford to develop a guy. Um, so, yeah, I would say I, I've got him going towards the towards the back end of the first round if if everything continues as it seems. Um, all right, then I will hit up Jacob Slade, and then I think you have Michael Mayer last. I, I say uh, Jacob Slade, number 83 on the top 100 list for – were we going through the athletic on this? Uh, I think it's PFF. PFF. Is PFF. Uh, Michigan State, uh, big guy. He actually uh, suffered a knee injury. Um, so I didn't get to see a lot of his playing time. Um, however, in the miniature, you know, game time that he did have effective in that first half, uh, he actually did come back in the second half after suffering the injury. So I would assume that he's okay. Although then I did see a report that I think he went to a local hospital for testing after it on his knee, mm. um, which you never want to hear, especially from a big lineman. Um, but uh, it makes an impact. Definitely just, you know, when especially it helps when you're playing inferior opponents, but makes a, makes a considerable impact. And while he's not necessarily getting the penetration to the quarterback, he's going to be um, frequently freeing up 
his teammates in order to make the plays that they need to make. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just a really good compliment to that defense. Um, trying to see 315 pounds, six, four looks and plays every bit of it. Um, just a, just a big guy who his impact is, is best felt not necessarily in the quarterback pressure, but just in what he kind of brings um, otherwise. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. All right. Last guy. I know a guy that you could probably say a little bit about too. Um, it's Notre Dame tight end, Michael Meyer. Uh, the first thing that, you know, I I've seen is that he's got all the makings of an NFL tight end an everyday NFL tight end. The one thing I think a lot of people talk about and that you can kind of see is speed is an issue. He's got yeah. a good burst off the line, but he doesn't really possess that true breakaway speed. But at the same time, do you need that from a tight end, right? And so looking at some of these things, obviously the nickname for those of you who don't know, Baby Gronk, um, and you can see the way, you know, his ability to catch passes, his ability to shed tackles. He looks very comfortable um, in that in that role um, as a, a primary pass catching uh, tight end. The big thing is that speed, like I said, um, and unfortunately it's not something that he can just polish up, but they've got him at 13 here. Um, I, it, it'll obviously depend on what, where teams are looking. Um, but to, to go off of this question, um, Kyle Pitts going at eight was, you know, being that generational level or no, did Kyle Pitts where, no, where did Kyle Pitts, where is he drafted? Was he four? Not at eight. He was at four. That's right. Eight was Drake London. That's why I, I was thinking yeah. about Drake London. Yeah. I think that Michael Mayer has a very real possibility of slotting in. Kyle Pitts is number eight, right? He is. Yes. Number eight. There it is. Yeah. Thank you for helping me with that connection. Uh, I I think he's got a real shot to go top 10 and that might be 10. um, But I think that teams are looking out for a a game changing tight end to really bring that offense to the next level. I think he's more than capable of blocking. I think he's a great pass catcher. He's going to struggle. Um, down down the seams you know getting up into the secondary to the next level but he's a guy that um honestly a great example of a guy i think he could be a lot like is pat fryermuth from what i've seen from pat fryermuth yeah there's there's no reason why he's not he can't be that exact um you know that that exact type of player right now at, at this point day one going into his career to me he's a grittier tyler eifert another Notre Dame okay. tight end um just kind of, and it kind of the grittiness sacrifices speed, but also lends more to the health standpoint of him, and also to just the better blocker. Um, yeah, interesting player. I doubt that he goes top ten, only because Notre Dame looks like garbage right now. Um, it's early, however, it's early. I'm gonna say this. Don't quote me on it. Okay. They're zero two. They have a really tough schedule coming up. I'm I'm thinking nine and three now that Drew Pine's the starter because I thought that Drew Pine should have been starting all along. Now now we now we ride. Yeah, you say don't quote me on this, but you said it on a audio based format that is essentially out for the world to hear. So I might yeah. not quote you on it, but the listeners might. I'm just just saying I want to give you forewarning. Um, that I'm not the only one listening to this. But if so you believe it, you believe it, brother. This very quotable thing. 
Notre Dame nine and three, certainly not four and eight, nine and three. Yeah, there's no way anybody makes a graphic about that, right? Yeah, no. I I can't imagine that happening. All right, <laughs> I think we're done here. Uh, we... Oh, quick! I'll run through it um, through my guys next week. Oh yes, yes, uh, we do have next I, week. I I have fifty uh, sixth uh, Noah Daniels out of TCU, number forty three Jordan Battle out of Alabama, and number sixty one Clark Phillips out of Utah. All right. And then for my guys, I've got another tight end, Jaheim Bell from South Carolina. I've got another offensive tackle, Blake Freeland from BYU. And then I've got Panay Sewell's brother, Noah Sewell, linebacker out of Oregon. Sick. All right. Now we can get out of here. We've got some great football coming up this week. Uh, and we will be back Tuesday night to break it all down for you. Uh, so we will talk to you then. <laughs>